Hey, I have, a, I have a story that I would like to share with all of us. And I think all of our kids here might uh, love seeing some pictures that are part of the story. So I want to invite any of our kids that would like to come up here. I'm going to just sit down in this chair. And if you'd like to come up, see the screen better, see some pictures better, I'd love to share a story. Don't be afraid. Just come on up. Come on up, guys. It's all right. Thank you for coming up. I was, I was afraid I was going to be all alone here. We have some great kids. Good morning. Well, I want to share with you a story. I'm not going to read the whole book, but um, how many of you know the story, The Night Before Christmas? How many of you moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, you might know the story, The Night Before Christmas? Um, this, this book it is an old, old story, and in fact, it's kind of historic in the sense that it's almost 200 years old. In fact, next Christmas, it'll be, this story will be 200 years old, and this story has really shaped our understanding of the story of Santa Claus, but you, you may remember how it begins. It starts like this. It says, "'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a a mouse. You know this is a poem, and it rhymes. Yeah, this was a poem that, that was written a long, long time ago, and it, and it says, the stockings were hung by the chimney with care. Did anybody have stockings hung at their house? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, yeah, a lot of people did. In hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. Who's St. Nicholas? Who's St. Nicholas? It's another name. It's his real name. Yeah, his real name is St. Nicholas, that's right. And, and the, the, the story continues that everyone was asleep the night before Christmas, but Dad was awakened because he heard a noise, a clatter, and so he awoke to see what was the matter. And, and he went out and he opened the windows and he looked up and he saw off in the distance coming through the night sky um, what to my wandering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. And then as they approached and they got on the... Um, on the, the rooftop, I guess Santa came down through the chimney, and the dad that woke up, he wanted to see Santa. And so the poet who wrote this a long time ago, he gave a description of what Santa looked like. Now, some of you guys, you saw Santa. Well, Santa's here this morning. But I want to read the description, because the description that this poet gave has really shaped how Santa Claus dressed up today. Listen to what it says. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe held tight in his teeth, and the smoke, it encircled his head like a wreath. Any of you guys see uh, Santa smoking a pipe down there? Thank goodness you weren't smoking. Santa has, has gone healthy. Good for Santa. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf. And I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. You know, Santa doesn't smoke anymore. Um, you know, there's, a, there's another picture of Santa. Uh, you'll, you'll see this picture right here. You see he's got the pipe. Do you know that picture of Santa? It was um, drawn in 1881. 
was a long time ago, but a lot has changed about how Santa dresses, um, where he lives, how he hang, uh, who he hangs out with, and I just want to um, show you some of these things. He doesn't smoke a pipe anymore. You guys probably recognize this Santa. Uh, he's drinking a Coke. You guys recognize that Santa, of course, right? Yeah, that's, I call him 1950s Santa. But I want to trace kind of the history of Santa Claus a little bit here because, um, you know, some stories and some legends kind of lead us to something greater. And I, I think that the story of Santa Claus can point us to someone that we celebrate in Christmas. Here's another picture of Santa Claus. And this was from a, uh, 1868, just after the Civil War. You know, the name of this poem that has really shaped our understanding of Santa Claus, it was called A Visit from St. Nicholas. But St. Nicholas, back then in the 1800s, they didn't have like blow-ups of Santa, you know, every other yard where everybody had this picture of 1950s Santa. So if you look at Santa today, what looks different about Santa today? What looks different from that Santa? He's got a green hat, right? Uh, he's got white pants. Um, he still has the pipe. Yep. Santa kind of looks different in some ways. But um, 41 years after this famous poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, or The Night Before Christmas, 41 years after it was written, there was a young man named Thomas Nast. And Thomas heard this poem. And many people had pictures like that of Santa Claus or St. Nicholas. And there were many people that came over from other countries that they had very different images or pictures in their mind of who Santa looked like. But this young man named Thomas, he heard this story about, or this poem about Santa Claus, and he grew up to draw pictures. He was an illustrator or a cartoonist. And this was long before the days of Google when you just saw all these images or photographs. And so people would draw pictures of events that were happening, and then they would put them in magazines or newspapers. And right around the time of the Civil War, Thomas Nast read this particular poem the night before Christmas, and he drew a picture of Santa that was unlike all the Santas or the St. Nicholases before. I'm going to show you this picture This was drawn right during the Civil War. Can you see Santa? He's talking to the Union soldiers, and look at his coat. His coat's got stars on it. His pants have stripes on them. And so um, Santa was getting really friendly with the Union Army. And back in that day, he was saying that the Union Army, they were all good boys, right? Thomas Nast did a lot to rebrand Santa Claus. Thomas Nast was the first one to tell us that St. Nicholas came from the North Pole. Here's another picture of Santa. See how he's changed. This was from several hundred years ago. He's still got the white beard, but notice he's got black on. We don't notice, we don't ever see Santa wearing black. And now here's another one from hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And this is from overseas. Santa's wearing yellow. Santa's changed a lot since Thomas Nast and later Norman Rockwell, who was another painter who drew St. Nicholas. Um, Now I want to tell you something. Santa, did he just come to your house or did he go to your house too? He travels all over the place, doesn't he? And in fact, he doesn't just come to the people in the United States. He travels all over the world, doesn't he? Yeah. And, And you know, when he travels outside of the United States, when he goes somewhere hot, 
Do you think Santa takes off his coat? No, you don't think so? I think maybe he changes into some clothes. If he goes to Mexico, he looks more like people in Mexico. Here's a picture of Santa. Remember, this was long before um, phones. Or or no, this is a a modern-day picture of Santa in Norway. In the country of Norway, it's up in Europe. But I want you to look at this picture, and I want you to notice some things about Santa. Notice he's got the white beard. Notice that he's wearing red and white. But look at his hat. His hat's kind of different, isn't it? What's on his hat? What is that? It's a cross. And do you know what he's carrying? That is a a staff. It's like a, a shepherd's staff. You know, if you could see behind this big jolly old fella, you might see a picture behind us. And back there is a cross. And back there is a staff. And long, long ago, St. Nicholas reminded people of another person back there. Now, if I were to ask you, who is that back there? How many of you would know who that is? Okay, here's what I'm going to do. Let's keep this a secret because we're going to go to that guy back there. But I don't want mom and dad to already know the end of my message yet. So I'm going to let you guys go back and sit back down. And you can whisper to mom and dad, who the end of the story, who we're going to point to, okay? So thank you guys. You can go back and sit down. I appreciate you guys coming up here. I really do appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hey, I'd like to tell you guys just a little bit about Santa's travel habits and uh, his friends. Um, If you look at this next photo, you're going to see a picture of Santa. Um, this um, This is another picture of Santa from Norway. It's a drawing. You can see again the cross uh, and the staff. Um, St. Nicholas is a a saint. And and the saint comes from a word that means holy, the character of Christ within him. If, If we were to follow Santa Claus and trace his history all the way back in Europe, Um, We could see a picture. This is from Belgium. This is uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, but this old painting from Belgium, it it shows Santa's travel habits a little bit different than reindeer and a flying sleigh. Santa actually comes by boat, and St. Nicholas, not only does he travel to Belgium by boat, but he's got some travel companions that are not anything but elves. Um, in fact, in, in, uh, in Belgium, they celebrate that the one who travels with Santa, his name is Zwarte Piet. And Zwarte Piet, you can kind of see him right there on the boat just in front of Santa. He was there to be Santa's helper, to distribute gifts, to welcome kids. But he's certainly no elf. Here's another picture of Santa, and we see his traveling companions. This is in Czechoslovakia. And it's from the 1930s. But kids, get this. Santa traveled, not with elves and reindeer, but in Czechoslovakia and many other places around the world. St. Nicholas, he came with two very, very um, significant um, friends. One was an angel, and one was a demon. A demon. And you may notice from the picture, the angel has the demon locked, so the demon can't do any harm. But they would travel with Santa, Santa Claus, and when Santa would show up, the saint would come and would talk with the children, have they been good? And it was a reminder that the choices that we make today have eternal consequences. 
And so if children had been good, the angel would give them gifts. And if the children had made bad choices through the year, um, the demon would give them coal. But So there's a lot of um, stories of, of uh, St. Nicholas that begin to point us to a Savior. I, I want to show you um, another uh, picture in just a minute, but here's what I want to do. I want to tell you about Santa's birthday, okay? Um, Santa has a birthday. Santa is extremely old. In fact, he was born around 270 A.D. over in what is modern-day Turkey. And this um, picture is of a young St. Nicholas. He's already losing his hair. But this was, um, he was born in what is modern-day Turkey. Um, you may know, notice that Santa Claus looks very different than he does today. He's actually got a Bible in his hand. He's got crosses that he's wearing. And I want to tell you a story about um, St. Nicholas. Did you know, uh, parents, one of the creeds that we recite uh, on often and that churches all around the world recite is called the Nicene Creed. It was a creed that was uh, formed by some of the church fathers in the early um, or the late um, 300s. And um, St. Nicholas was one of 318 bishops that participated in the forming of this Council of Nicaea that we st- still celebrate and helps us in our faith today. But I, I want to tell you a story about St. Nicholas, kind of the, this last story. Um, there is a story about St. Nicholas long before he became St. Nicholas, long before he became a bishop. Um, Santa Claus, or St. Nicholas, was born to really wealthy parents. And his, his wealthy parents were committed Christians, and um, they taught St. Nicholas to really love Jesus and to make good decisions. In other words, all of the gifts that God had given to him, to share those gifts with, other, with others. And so when um, Nicholas got a little bit older and his parents had kind of moved on, um, Nicholas heard about a man in his community who had three, we'll call them teenage daughters. And the father had gotten himself into a huge debt. And the one that he owned the debt to had said he was going to take the father's daughters and he was going to enslave all three of these daughters in captivity and was going to use them to do just terrible things. And so um, what did Nicholas do? Well, he heard about the debt that was owed for these three girls. And so he took the gifts, some of the money that God had entrusted to him, and he went and by night, he was humble. He didn't want anybody to know what a, what a gift that he'd given. And so at nighttime, he went to their house when everyone was asleep. And he took some of the money that would set one of the girls free from their enslavement, and he put it in a stocking that was hanging in their house. Does this story sound like anybody else? And then he heard that the second daughter had been uh, held captive, that she was going to become a slave. And so uh, a little bit later on, by night, because he was humble, he didn't want anybody to know what gifts he was giving, he came and he put some more gold in a second stocking. And then he heard that the third daughter, and he did the same, and by now dad thought, I'm going to stay up at night 
and see if I can catch the one who liberated my two daughters and maybe now my third. This is the story of St. Nicholas. And, and if you look, there's a picture or a painting of Nicholas coming to the house to set those who have been captive free. This is a man who comes not carrying toys or sweaters or drones or spiders or sweaters or gift cards, um, but this was one who took up his cross and gave what he have, what he had. You know, we remember on Christmas that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I wonder if we could say that again together. And kids, if you would just speak up real loud, if you're able to read this, but everyone, let's read this together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Friends, could I just tell you, there are lots of legends. There are lots of stories that we tell today. Some of them are harmless. Some of them may help us maybe to hope a little bit more, to believe, to wait, maybe even to to make good choices, behavior modification. There are some kind of um, harmless legends that we tell. But could I point out there are some very dangerous legends There are some legendary lies that our world tells today. Some of them contemporary lies. One of them is this. There is a legend. There is a story that is being told and believed as truth today. That the things that happen in this world are all random. That life is random. And this is kind of how this story goes. There's not really a God Well, maybe there's a God, but if there is a creative designer, long ago, long ago, he became disinterested with the direction that this world and all of its inhabitants are going. And so if there is a God, he's he's a distant God. There's just no way that this God has come near. Because if this God had come near, things would be different. This is, this is one of the greatest lies that the story of Christmas says, God has come to us. He has done something definitive about our desperate situation. And the reason that he waits to come again is so that you and I and all of our loved ones and all of our enemies may come to the place of making a decision that has eternal consequences. Life is not random. God is not distant. He has come near. And in humility, he has given his life as a sacrifice that we might find forgiveness, healing, and eternal life. The second and the last legend the lie that our contemporary culture tells us today is that the highest virtue of humanity is tolerance. Oh, if we can love ourselves and do life whatever is best for us, but also love the other by allowing the other 
to just kind of do whatever they do. And if we see things differently, if we could just allow them to do and see how they want, our brand of truth may be very different than their brand of truth, but if we can just be tolerant, we can all get along. And this is a lie. Just live and let live as people destroy their own life. But friends, here is the truth. Here is the good news. A Savior has come for us. He is the way, the truth, the life, the the only way to the Father. To, To discover our true intended purpose, that comes not as we try harder to manufacture our own lives, to be more virtuous, to try and be more holy. It comes as we simply make a decision of faith that God has come that God has drawn near and that He longs to forgive me, to be born in me, and to demonstrate His love for others through me by pointing pointing to the truth of Jesus, by being light in a dark world. Friends, there is good news. God has come near to us. There is truth today that our world is destined for hell, but there is one who has come as a Savior to deliver us. He is the first saint among many. All who would embrace Jesus as Savior, the light has come into a dark world. I'm going to invite Pastor Mark to come, and he's going to play for us. You know, in conclusion, there may be some of you that have been leaning your entrusting your life on a legend. You've created a, a story You're working to kind of uh, define your own life. But maybe this morning you might hear good news. That life isn't random. There is a God who loves you and has drawn near that you might put your trust in Him to find purpose. To discover who you are and what you're wired for. Something so much more. Friends, this story of Santa Claus. This story of St. Nicholas points us to more than just a a bag full of goodies. Uh, More than just behavior modification. This, This is a search and rescue story of a God who loves, of a God who draws near to liberate us. We are captive to sin if left to our own accord. And so Christ has come. Would you choose this morning, maybe for the five millionth time, or maybe for the very first time, to say, Jesus, be born in me. Forgive me, transform me. You know that my life is darkness. Our world is darkness, and so come, Lord. May the light of Jesus be born in me and shine through me. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads We're going to pray and then we're going to sing joy to the world and then we're going to go home. But I'd like to pray for you and with you. Father in heaven, we give you thanks this morning for the gift of your son, Jesus, our Savior and Lord. And we remember that Lord um, St. Nicholas 
pointed the way to you, and so have so many who have come after you, Jesus. We thank you for moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, and others who have been living as saints, using what God has entrusted to them to point us to Jesus. Lord, would you help us on this day to choose for ourselves, for Christ, our reconciler, our redeemer, our liberator, to set us free. Thank you, Jesus, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.